0: Of all the mysteries in the world, menopause shouldn't be one. It's a natural process that eventually happens to every single female on Earth. As they age, ovary function begins to decline. This activates perimenopause, which is the first of two stages of menopause, and when many symptoms start to appear. Women don't reach the second stage until they've gone one full year without having a period. After that mark, they're considered menopausal.
1: It's not a switch that goes on and off. It's a gradual process, okay? And what happens is our pituitary gland doesn't know and the hypothalamus, doesn't know that our ovaries are supposed to be pooping out and our estrogen level's getting lower. So what happens is that this gland in our head actually secretes this hormone called FSH to try to beat on the poor ovaries to get them to make more estrogen. And they're sitting there basically saying, can't do it, it ain't working so good. That's Dr. Mary Jane Minken,
0: a clinical professor in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences at Yale School of Medicine.
1: It's sort of a very complex you know, hormonal situation. So the ovaries in our pelvis, this pituitary gland and hypothalamus is up in our head, and this regulation goes back and forth through the bloodstream.
0: Minken says that this process can be confusing because some days your ovaries may work great, while other days they fail to produce any estrogen. This erratic rise and fall of hormones often makes diagnosing menopause extremely difficult. Longtime health journalist Jancy Dunn knows this firsthand. She's been covering health and medicine for more than two decades, yet wasn't able to recognize her own menopausal symptoms.
2: I had these random symptoms like racing heart, and I went to a cardiologist. I thought, okay, here comes the big one. I'm going to have a heart attack. And dry skin, I went to my dermatologist Nobody connected it up to me that this was what was going on, because if you don't know the symptoms, then you can't discern any sort of pattern, right? And that's what was happening to me. So I wasted a lot of time, a lot of co-pays trying to figure out what was wrong with me.
0: If Dunn, with all of her knowledge, didn't notice the signs, how many other women were feeling the same frustrations? Dunn thought that maybe she just hadn't done her due diligence and stopped by her local library to see what information was available.
2: My library is pretty big. There were a gazillion pregnancy books, acres and acres of pregnancy books. And there was one book on menopause. One! Menopause can last decades. You enter menopause. You go in and you don't come out. It is what it is, right? With so
0: little public information available, Dunn decided to take matters into her own hands and write hot and bothered what no one tells you about menopause. She hopes to bring knowledge and clarity to this topic that's often been branded as women's dirty little secret.
2: It's always been a taboo subject for the usual reasons of sexism, ageism, racism. There were no studies on women of color who were going through menopause until the 90s. And so it's just always been something that women have traditionally not talked about. Big taboo. My mother had never said a word about it to me and neither did many women of their generation. They just kind of suffered in silence.
0: Dunn says that's starting to change with the more recent generations of women, but we still don't have widespread knowledge of menopause. According to Minken, part of this gap stems from how medical education and training
1: prioritizes information. I got to teach you how to deliver a baby. I have to teach you how to do a cesarean section. I have to teach you the complications of pregnancy, because it's bad if you don't know those. And then I have to teach you how to do a hysterectomy. I have to teach you how to do a DNC if somebody's miscarrying, things like that. So there are a lot of skills you have to teach. So people decided, well, let's just not teach menopause. (laughs) We have to cut down the number of hours. And indeed, that's sort of what happened.
0: A 2019 study published in Mayo Clinic Proceedings surveyed internal medicine, family medicine, and gynecology residents. The results show that only about 7% felt prepared to treat menopausal women. Just 7%. That's less than 1 in 10 physicians. Minkin believes this feeling stems from what students learn or don't learn
1: during medical training. In medical school, they get about an hour of medical training. In my institution, that's for me. (laughs) So I've been making sure the kiddies get that. Unfortunately, once they get to their residencies, okay, that unfortunately for many obstetrics and gynecology residents, that is indeed all they get. They get really not much more formal education. This is pathetic. That about 20% of residency programs in the United States have formal menopause education programs where they get a number of hours of training how to take care of menopausal patients. But unfortunately in about 80% of the schools, they may get next to nothing as far as training.
0: Minkin says this creates an environment where discussions about menopause are pushed to the last minutes of an annual exam or skipped entirely. Luckily, there are menopause specialists, but Dunn says not enough people know about this resource.
2: I didn't even know until I started writing the book that there are menopause specialists. Who knew? I didn't know. And they are trained. They have to recertify every three years. You can go and get them at the North American Menopause Society, NAMS. You can type in your zip code and up will pop some incredibly qualified expert who will help you. And often insurance doesn't pay, but you can go one or two times and they can quickly be like, oh, okay, you have brain fog. Here's what you do. Oh, you have hot flashes. Do this. And it just saves you a lot of time and agita.
0: Being able to treat your symptoms will make this transition so much easier. However, Minkin says that many women don't catch it early because they don't realize that they can start having flare ups before their menstrual cycle ends.
1: I have several patients a year who come in to see me who've been to see several rheumatology doctors about their arthritis, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they are still miserable and nobody thought about saying, gee, maybe this is your perimenopausal or menopausal state. Maybe we give some estrogen and you'll feel a lot better.
0: Which came as a big surprise to Dunn. Prior to her research, she had no idea that the hot flashes she had been dealing with were treatable.
2: People joke around about it on sitcoms and stuff. And you think, oh, yeah, you get a little hot, big deal. You know, it's like being on a beach or something. No, it's like being broiled. It's incredible. And mine weren't even as severe as some other women. And that was an eye opener to me, too. I thought my hat is off to all the women who have come before me who casually mentioned they have hot flashes and didn't explain to me how horrible they were.
0: Every woman's experience with menopausal symptoms is different. They can range from mild to severe, and some women don't even have any symptoms at all. Luckily, there are both hormonal and non-hormonal treatment options. In fact, the first non-estrogen medicine for hot flashes was FDA-approved just this year. This non-hormonal option is so important because there's been an ongoing debate on the use of estrogen to treat menopausal symptoms. A study published in 2002 discovered that menopausal women taking a combination of estrogen and progesterone for their symptoms had an increased risk of breast cancer, heart disease, and stroke. But Minkin says
1: these findings can be misleading. Indeed, if you look at the Women's Health Initiative study, that women who have a uterus— in general, need to take estrogen plus progestins or progesterone to protect the lining of the uterus from getting overgrowth. If a woman has had a hysterectomy, she doesn't need to take any progesterone. There's no lining of the uterus to worry about. It's gone. (laughs) It's in the lab. So anyway, so those women can take just estrogen. And in the Women's Health Initiative study, the women who had had a hysterectomy and were just taking estrogen had no increased risk of breast cancer. Okay, that's number one. Number two, in the estrogen plus progestin arm of the Women's Health Initiative, first of all, the increase was very, very, very tiny. Probably didn't achieve what we call statistical significance. It was a very slight increased risk, but they only studied one preparation. And we do have a lot of different preparations around these days, which do not seem to increase the risk at all of breast cancer.
0: However, Minkin does note that there are some women who should not take hormonal therapy, such as those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. But recent medical advancements have made sure that there are effective non-hormonal treatment options. Aside from medicine, Minkin says certain lifestyle changes can make a big difference. For example, spicy meals and red wine are known to cause hot flashes. So being aware of triggers is another important factor. An additional symptom that American women often battle, but develop later in menopause, is vaginal dryness.
1: And actually, some women will start getting dryness three years, four years after they finish having their periods. So they won't even associate that this is related to menopause or hormones. They just think I'm getting older and that's all there is to it. And again, this is something I have to suffer with. And the answer is no, you don't.
0: There are various over-the-counter non-hormonal medications that can help. Vaginal estrogen is also an option if you're on the fence about hormonal treatments. Since it's topically applied, only a low dose of estrogen actually gets into your body.
1: Most women, again, are indeed candidates for vaginal estrogen. Even if a woman's had breast cancer, the vast majority of them are absolutely fine using vaginal estrogens. Because the amount that gets absorbed into the bloodstream is so small, you were really delivering a good amount locally to the vagina. So basically, vaginal estrogens are quite safe.
0: The reason why estrogen products are used to treat menopausal symptoms is because many of these issues are being caused by a lack of estrogen in the body. This loss of the hormone can produce so many different problems that you wouldn't think of, such as incontinence or urinary
1: tract infections we can fix that. That's easy. you know. But that's important because, hey, someone gets septic from having a bladder infection. So that's not a great thing. So indeed, then making sure that we get those vaginas and help them is very, very important. So we really want people to feel better. And that's an easy thing to fix. So we have non-hormonal fixes. We have hormonal fixes. We got lots of stuff. We have pills that you can take that aren't estrogen. We have, you name it, we got it. So there's something there for everyone. Despite
0: this progress, Minken says there's still a lot we don't know about menopause. For example, the most common menopausal symptoms are different in each country.
1: In the United States, for example, hot flashes are the worst symptom. Hot flashes, night sweats, getting up at night, sleep disturbances. Those are the major complaints. Now, not that there aren't a whole host of others, but those are the major ones people complain of. In the Philippines, that number one complaint of women is achiness sort of like an arthritic, arthralgias, muscle aches, things like that. That's their number one complaints. Now, we see some folks in this country with that, but it's hardly the predominant symptom that women complain about. I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Similarly,
0: a more recent mystery is the age in which people are entering menopause. Women are actually starting to experience it at later ages than previous generations
1: it's a slow change. For example, in the year 1900, the average age of menopause in the United States was 48. In this country now, it's 51 and change between 51 and 52. Now, probably it's better health, better nutrition, things like that. Keeps the ovaries a little more robust, better blood flow to them probably. That's probably the explanation. We don't know absolutely for sure though. So over the last you know 100 plus years that the age of menopause has gone from say 48 to 51 plus.
0: So while we wait for more information, Dunn advises that women dive into what we do know.
2: Research everything that you can do to control your symptoms. Don't suffer in silence. The thing about hot flashes, if they're making you deranged, if you're not sleeping, that's another health problem. Lack of sleep, chronic lack of sleep can lead to all kinds of problems, heart problems, diabetes, you know. And so get them under control if they're making you miserable and ask yourself, how can I most feel like myself and what can I do to get there?
0: Dunn's book, Hot and Bothered, is available now. You can find more information about Jancy Dunn, Dr. Mary Jane Minkin, and all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal...
2: And the doctor said, no way. He's like, I think you're fine. And I'm like, I'm really not. And if you think I'm fine, I'm going to go to another doctor.
0: Are hormonal contraceptives triggering your autoimmune disease?
2: Then do you feel pressure to go into work with a cold?
1: These workers see their managers coming into work sick, so they feel obligated that, hey, if my manager comes to work sick, I can come to work sick.
2: All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. African-American horsemen never left the racetrack. They have always had a really significant role.
1: The forgotten contributions of fearless horse jockeys like Isaac Murphy them. Once you cross the event horizon, your continued fall is inevitable. There is nothing you can do to halt your decline.
0: Understanding the dark, mysterious abyss that is a black hole. I'm Marty
1: Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints.